Welcome to the Manor. Welcome to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor, Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I am non crunching James. I am crunching Jody. <laughs> oh, poor Jody. <laughs> <laughs> he deserved it. He does. He should be crunched more often. <laughs> uh, is that what the kids are calling it now? <laughs> Damn millennials. <laughs> oh, wait, millennials aren't kids anymore. <laughs> nope. <laughs> We're old. <laughs> yep. I prefer to think of it as classic. Sorry, I muted the microphone and was crunching. What you prefer to think of it as what? Classic? We're we're classic, not old. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I've got a topic tonight and I got a beer to match, but I thought I would ask you if you're having a beer. Not for this one. I am right, trying to so. um I am trying to finish up stuff that I bought for the holidays. Because we're recording this between Christmas and New Year. That, that is true. Um, so to finish off my Southern Comfort eggnog, I added some Malort to it. Oh, nice. <laughs> I actually haven't watched the video yet that uh, our friend, I did. one of the Rods, sent us. Yeah. But <laughs> I, 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 did, I did watch it. Um, uh, the It was like a half hour video because he did multiple. That's why I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, the, the guy did like multiple different um, spiked eggnogs, and but Malort was the first one he did. He just he wanted to get, try it, get it out of the way, yeah. um, because he because he wasn't sure how it was going to turn out, and he made it from scratch. I mean, he he made the eggnog portion from scratch. So and you know egg heavy cream all that stuff, um, and he 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 put Malort. Um, I think he did, uh, some sort of chocolate cream, Irish cream, chocolate flavored something to give it kind of a sweetness and, uh, some amaretto. And uh, I think, I think there was a fourth one that he added and he, he liked it. He said, you, you still got that bitterness from the Malort, but it wasn't overpowering. It still had the aftertaste. Uh, but it wasn't overpowering and you got, you know, some of the cherry flavor from the amaretto and some almond flavor from some of the, you know, and the, the sweet chocolate had kind of sweetness. And um, so he, he, the recipe he, he did turned out really well as far as he was concerned. Um, and I guess the guy's a bartender or something, a mixo- mixologist, you know. And uh, so, yeah, it, um, but I, I just cheated and just used the Southern Comfort eggnog and added some malort to it <laughs> and and i didn't measure anything out and i i got just like the right amount of malort to it so that there's that a little bit of the bitter aftertaste but it's not overpowering oh so you, it's good yeah i like it I mean, if you like malort you'll like it if you don't like malort you're not going to try it in the first place so you know don't bother uh, <laughs> that's true now, yeah. I do need to keep this in mind because in a uh, an episode or four or five, we're going to be talking about Malort again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I still have a bottle and a half. <laughs> Good. Actually, I may I may have Malort two and Malort three <laughs> episodes in mind. <laughs> nice. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'll I'll run them by you. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. And uh, the the Southern Comfort eggnog is non-alcoholic right it's just got the flavor yes yeah it's just got a little bit of the flavor yeah it's got a pretty cool. good flavor i i looked and it was like 
Southern Comfort eggnog, and I think that was about the only eggnog I found. And then the the boiled custard, which is almost exactly like eggnog. But so I got it. I got it. Yeah, I got it. I got a thing of it too, and I just I haven't even opened it yet. I'm like, I need to finish these off before, you know. <laughs> Well, they go bad yeah 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 the the, the malort didn't um i didn't put enough malort in to curdle the eggnog <laughs> damn it uh so what are you having uh, so i've been saving this for a while uh, i've only got one can of it because i gave others away to peoples um but i'm waiting for a tolkien middle earth type of episode and i'm drinking brew dogs fellowship ipa nice and it says Lord of the Rings with the one ring elven script around it. And yeah, it's, it's a, sadly, I didn't realize this when I bought it, but it is why I gave some away after I bought it. Mm-hmm. It's a hazy IPA. Oh, and you don't like hazy IPAs. Not overly much. No. Yeah. And this, I mean, this I can, is about mid range. I can, I can drink them, but they're not my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I can. Don't love them. Uh, this is mid range. It's, very orangey and juicy and it is not my thing and i won't buy more but if you do like hazies it, it's good i just i just don't it's very much a uh yeah orange juice beer <laughs> <laughs> but i thought i'd drink it this time because we're going to talk about middle earth yay but not middle earth middle earth middle earth musical venues yeah yeah, it's, it's amazing. Most people don't even know they were around because I know of two, and these are the only two I could find, and there's not much information about either, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there was a Middle Earth musical venue in London, and the one we're going to talk about tonight, if not both, uh-huh. but we're going to start with the Middle Earth musical venue in Indianapolis, Indiana. Cool. Yeah, the building's actually still there. I've gone by. I think I sent you pictures. A you few did, years yeah. ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of decayed and open and crunched now because there's nothing going on and it's falling apart. There's just graffiti all over and there's nothing inside. It's all run down and seats are removed and everything. But uh, it's, it's you know, there's still the, the remnants of it. But it, I just found it awesome that there are a couple of musical venues called Middle Earth from the 70s, late, late 60s, early 70s, depending on which location, because that's when Frodo lives. Yeah, that was a big thing in the sixties. Yeah, for those who don't know, we've mentioned it once or twice. When uh, two towers ends, you you Mm -hmm. don't know what's going on with Frodo. Then then you find out Frodo's okay, and and everybody was graffitiing Frodo lives on walls and shit. Yeah, Um, that kind of sprung out of when the trilogy was published in paperback in the U.S. Yeah, it was a U.S. thing. I, I don't know if it was a U.K. thing, but it was definitely a U.S. thing. Yeah. Which, which that'd be a good Hobbit Day episode. Oh, yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just but most... I know we're I, kind of, well, I was, I was going to say, I'm just most impressed that one of them was in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. And then I'll get to all I was going to say is that we're kind of timing this so it comes out close to Tolkien's birthday, but it'll be the Friday after, so a few days later. But yeah, if, yeah. if you don't already know that you should raise the pint to the professor on the third, uh, then you haven't been listening to us long enough. <laughs> right. 
but uh, but yeah, in Indianapolis is kind of cool that Indianapolis, Indiana, had Middle Earth a uh, theater. And it, so it's address, just so you know, if you want to drive by it, 3430 North Illinois Street, not too far north of downtown. Oh, and uh, yeah. live, live music was yeah, presented there from 1970 to 1972. Kind of give a brief history, but then I'll talk about some of the acts and you'll see why it's cool. Yeah. Now, but it is kind of sad. It's all husked out now and everything. It's all decayed and everything, but yeah, but it's, it's all good. You know, it's, it's because it started really cool. The, the actual thing had been a neighborhood movie theater from 1927 until the late 1950s. But then after that, it was kind, a burlesque kind of, club. Ooh, burlesque club, yes. Yeah. And a movie theater was a movie, movie theater with the films and stuff. Yeah. Just like, kind of like Initial. the Paradise Theater. Yeah. Yeah. The Paradise. Rocking the Paradise. <laughs> Rocking Middle Earth tonight. My apologies, JY and Tommy and <laughs> Dennis. Nah, fuck y'all. I'm going to sing it anyway. Rocking the. Oh, no, I'm good now. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, but then it was a burlesque show, but that was shut down in the 1960s. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then it was uh, the Middle Earth uh, music venue. And then and I'll give more detail here soon, but it's then briefly home to the famous Dora Drake show bar. Yeah, good. currently uh, it's owned by NBA player Alan Henderson, who was born in Morgantown, West Virginia, where I lived for several years for a job. Wow. Great, great place. Yeah, but he moved to Indiana by high school and he played at IU, played for the NBA for the Hawks, the Mavericks, the Cavaliers, and the 76ers. So, you know. Okay. Yeah, but but he lives in the Indiana, Indianapolis area now. Nice. But yeah, whatever, it's all good. He, he's trying to do something with it, but he's not done anything yet and he may not be able to. It's all, it all depends on zoning and how trashed it is. And yeah. good for you, uh, my, my good Alan, for trying, but well, we'll hopefully see what happens. Oh, but yeah, the Ritz Theater started as the Ritz Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, constructed in 1926 to 1927. Uh, not really sure if anybody gives a shit, but, you know, it was uh, designed by Indianapolis architect George V. Bedell, who began his career in the 1880s as a decorative spindle and trim maker. Trim. <laughs> he made trim. <laughs> spindles. 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 <laughs> spindles and trim <laughs> sounds like a naughty breakfast cereal <laughs> uh, yeah i mean is, is, this could do design churches houses a bunch of theaters and, and things uh but the uh ritz was quite beautiful it was brick with limestone carvings and uh when it opened it had street front stores on either side and a central entrance with a separate smoking room with piped in sound for the smokers Ooh. <laughs> back Fancy. in the day smoke. yeah Ooh, duchess <laughs> it uh opened february 22nd 1927 with seating for 1400 mm-hmm. so not 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 unsmall un- you know bigger than hobbity okay <laughs> It uh, was just on the cusp of talking movies, so the theater was equipped with a two-manual Geneva organ to be played during the pre-talkies. Okay. Then, for the next years of success as a neighborhood movie theater, then became known as the Northside Theater in 58, 
and had a short-lived stint as a burlesque site in the 1960s before complaints led the managers and strippers to court. I, I, I looked. I could not find the uh, complaints other than as a burlesque play, so I don't know. I don't imagine anything naughty was going on. I'm just assuming that Indiana in you know the the 60s people didn't even want burlesque let alone anything else yeah in June 1970 uh-huh the theater was were remodeled all the seats were removed to make way for a rock concert venue called Middle Earth nice the uh, the name was changed back to the Ritz theater 1972 a couple years later but the concerts were unsuccessful. And the Ritz then closed in late 1972. Oh, that sucks. It does. Hmm. Well, I mean, there, there were some other things in there afterwards. There was Wally's Workshop and then a, a venue for drag shows called The Famous Door. And, you know, it was just, but, but sadly, Middle Earth. But I'll get to some of the cool Middle Earth things here as I scroll down through my notes that weren't uh, over, overly, overly polished because I thought i had them when i told jody hey this is what i'm gonna do tonight no no <laughs> that was part of the reason i took so long to try to even log in was because i couldn't find my notes for the next episode we're gonna record <laughs> i Ooh, found them not just me no i had them printed out though and i don't know what happened to the printout so damn it <laughs> oh so yeah I, i'm well me too now i'm reading them off the the screen yeah that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah ritz open and it's a great fanfare. Woo! Pachin, pachow! Yay! And, <laughs> yeah. With the Muppets. No, sorry. Not the Muppets. <laughs> in 1927, 19, in 1927, at the tail end of the silent movie era. <laughs> uh-huh. And was a wonderful neighborhood motion picture theater for cities of this size anywhere because it was quite large. Okay, cool. But the... Uh, they did have a gentleman's smoking room because, you know, women weren't allowed to have any place special at the time. Right. But they had a glassed-in baby's cry room where obviously the women could go with the, the babies. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm thinking even back in the 1920s, if you're taking your kid to the movie theater and it's that young, you don't go. <laughs> well, I agree, but th this is cool. They had a little glassed-in place, so if they started to cry, they could take them there and patrons otherwise could enjoy their time. But they, they even had in that room, they had upholstered chairs where mothers attending the shows with young children could take them when they became fretful. And so it was kind of a place where you could take a kid. And if the kid started being annoying, take him in there and everybody else can enjoy their time and you can still listen to the movie. And the movie, the opening night, was Lost at Sea, starring Huntley Gordon, Lyle Sherman, and Jane Novak. And I don't know jack shit about any of those movie, the movie or those actors. Me either. So I'm going to move on because I don't give a shit about them. We're getting to the cool rock <laughs> stuff here soon. <laughs> and I, I will say that, uh, you know, the television sets actually led to the close by the end of the decade, which is when the burlesque show thing took over in 1962. Mm -hmm. The outcry from neighborhood residents and parents of students at nearby Short Ridge High School led to intense scrutiny by the officials of the city and local media outlets uh, because teens would look at lewd pictures outside the theater because of that they they had to close it down yeah had to yeah damn it because teens were looking at 
Yeah, and decent pictures. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, because they they weren't looking at Cherry the card the comic book at the time. Uh, anyway. Yeah, but police arrested the stars, uh, the stars show, the show star ZZ Martin and the theater's operator Leroy Griffith on indecenting charges in June 1962 and revoked the theater's license the following month. And then it sat idle for the rest of the decade until a pair of hitchhikers got an idea. Oh, did they have a guide? <laughs> yes, um, but this guide wasn't to the universe. It was to Middle Earth. <laughs> ah, there you go. Woo! Yeah, and uh, Al Carulli, who just finished a tour in Vietnam, was hitching home from a rock music festival in Texas with pal Jim McSweeney when they were discussing the possibility of opening a rock club in Indianapolis. In the summer of 1970, they made their dream a reality, and along with two other friends, a name, they ripped out the theater's long vacant seats, carpeted the floor, and patched together a new sound system and called it Middle Earth after the fictional setting of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Awesome. Very much so. We put it together and really operated on a shoestring, Corelli said later on at the age of 76 to the Indy Star. So those were the good old times. Sadly... Club lasted only about a year, but managed a very impressive array of acts in its short life that I'll get to soon. Okay. But they did describe it as by reporters and local uh, magazines and newspapers as a cavernous carpet carpeted <laughs> a cavernous carpeted psychedelic dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. With a, the sloping floor and the smell of countless audiences of over too many years. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also described as out of sight and groovy and sometimes a little out of control. Uh-huh, I bet. And uh, so, so now, because I've already described how then it kind of closed down and became a couple other things like a drag show and then a, a business and things. Now I think it's time to talk about the people who are there. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. For example, Alice Cooper played here. Awesome. Yes, as a condition of playing the venue, Alice Cooper required a couple cases of the Budweiser to be waiting for the band at the airport. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and this was during Alice's Easy Action era. Well, so before 70, they really 71. hit it. Yeah, so kind of right before they hit it big. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, they they have people giving interviews, and and uh, the, one of them said Alice came out swinging a baseball bat, and it's kind of scary. <laughs> Not surprised. Not surprised, but for Alice, that seems tame. <laughs> yeah, uh, but then also the next person who's kind of big here, but I'll I'll give more was Frank Zappa. Cool. Yep, played one of the first few shows at the club. And according to Corelli, the, one of the owners, uh, mm -hmm. creators, whatever you want to call him, he said, Frank was a smoker during the Saturday rehearsal when Frank and the crew were sitting on stage rehearsing. He would put his cigarettes out on my brand new carpet on the stage. And I go, Frank, please use an ashtray. We just used laid the carpet. <laughs> uh, of course, then he said, Zappa seemed miffed, but complied kind of. And he said, Frank was kind of rough around the edges. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, let's, let's skip around, skip around. I mean, they're seeing things in here about 
you know, some of the people who worked here became local weathermen later and, and stuff. And they had shows called Wally's Workshop, a TV show and stuff. But yeah. um, I'm going to move around and uh, go past this because I don't give a shit about reality TV. So we're we're going to jump down here a little bit. And then, and of course, mention that the famous door nightclub known for some of the earliest and best drag shows in Indianapolis were, of course, here too. Mm-hmm. And did play a prominent role in gay nightlife, one of the earliest entertainment venues to racially integrate both performers and customers. But of course, that closed down in 1980 and and things. So, you know, it's not really been happening very much. Uh, but some of the other people, and I actually have a nice long uh, quote from one of these people here first. But I will jump back up to that in a second. You can actually find a few clippings, but it does take a bit of effort. But I would like to say, the first actual show that I can find was in June 1970 was The Flock. Get the flock Don't out. Don't know who they are. <laughs> it's one of the best lines. And <laughs> I, I've even tried to watch Porky's again, and it's horrible in hindsight, but that's a great line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, that, that was one of the first ones. But would you like to know the, uh, so th- that was the first and second. Would you like to know who headlined the third and fourth shows ever at the Middle Earth? Sure. Zephyr. Oh, Tommy Bolin. Nice. Indeed. So I just took a drink for our overlap of all the Tommy oh, Bolin yeah. Zephyr episodes that Jody has put his heart and soul and sweat into. Yeah, I will take a drink too. And would you like to know one of the opening acts for Zephyr at those two? Sure. Coven. I had a feeling that's what you were going to say. Because <laughs> yes, I know. I think I, actually. I, I, go, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this during our Jinx Dawson episode, but I think I maybe had. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I think you did. Yeah, because I, uh, I remember you talking about this venue in Indianapolis. And I was thinking it was the Coven up the. The episode we did on Jinx and Coven. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've to go, go ahead. Yeah. I, got well, a big I, I was just, first. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I'm not surprised about that because I know um, Jinx was friends with Tommy. Yeah. Which um, I think you mentioned in the Tommy episodes. Yeah. But yeah. Jinx has a, she was interviewed uh, mm-hmm. for an Indianapolis magazine. I think I mentioned this too in, in that episode. So go back and listen to that for a little more background. Uh, but a, a, a local, um, you know, I'll just go into it. Go listen to that. I'm not going to get background. Go listen to that episode from about two years ago, Halloween time. I think. I think. Uh, so, yeah. So anyway, uh, she was asked what prompted Coven's move to California. And, you know, well, this was at Frank Zappa's invite, right? And Jinx replied that Coven played a two-night gig with Zappa and the Mothers, Mothers of Invention, in 1970 which actually in indianapolis at a theater called middle earth and and this is how i discovered indianapolis had a middle earth music venue cool yeah, but she went she wanted to say the mothers were the headliners so the first night we opened for them we played a very heavy set with serious dark music and a cult themed stage show and received a huge ovation zappa was in his comedy show and heckled the audience phase they went on and the audience did not like the mother set at all so the next night, a few meaning Zappa wanted to go on first so they could get out of town earlier. His yeah. bandmates 
especially Ainsley Dunbar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jeff Simmons were impressed with their show and said they wish they were doing serious music. And so Zappa invited us to L.A. to sign with his bizarre label. Zappa would later go on to later mention this episode with us in two of his songs, one in the infamous 200 Motels film and soundtrack, and the other in Billy the Mountain. I made these notes quite a while ago and listened to those, and I don't remember what the connection is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, that's funny, though, because oh, you mentioned... Way. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that they opened for Zephyr here, Zephyr here, but the next two nights, uh, nights five and six of, of shows, were Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention uh, with various people like the Jerry Hahn Mother Brother, and that is also where Coven also played. They opened for Zephyr and Frank Zappa in the first several, uh, first few okay but, go, but yeah that's it go so go uh, if you'd like um i it just uh alice cooper's first record contract was with zappa oh nice yeah so so the first couple albums and i think um easy action was second or third album anyways like the first three albums were recorded on zappa's label yeah sorry i've got a little a little dog in here running around now <laughs> woof Oh, cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, so, um, ready for me to move on? Um, unless you want me to give more trivia on Frank Zappa and Coven and connections to other bands that we've talked about. So, in July... <laughs> <laughs> seems like a good thing to make another episode about. <laughs> so, yes, I will move on and then, then we can do that episode some other time. Okay. Uh, July 1970, uh, Rig, uh -huh. which uh, was a local indie band, played, but they had an opener called MC5, who we've discussed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the proto-punk band. Yes, yeah. Kick out the jams, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, then Alice Cooper plays, and then they have some others, Fat Water, Screaming Gypsy Bands, uh, Richie Havens, Bush, not, not the Bush that we would probably know this time, but a different Bush. Um, yeah, all sorts of, you know, a few, a few bands. But yeah, sadly, they weren't around long enough to get get a whole lot of people in. Yeah. That is, uh, that's uh, it's kind of it. As That's what I have on, on that. And I do think we can keep this short, and I will do the London Middle Earth as another episode. Okay. Because I, well, here, let me look. I will look, and I have 11 pages, but most of those are, uh, yeah, not a whole lot of anything. <laughs> you know what? You want me to do both? Sure, go ahead. All right, screw it. Middle Earth in London. Yay! I'm still drinking. Yay, woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Middle Earth was. Formerly known as the Electric Garden Club, was a hippie club in London, England. <laughs> I don't know why I put that in there, but whatever. I guess there's uh, a London, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but is there in the mid to late 1960s? And it was the successor to the UFO Club, which had closed down to police pressure and the imprisonment of its founder, John Hopkins, due to cannabis, because cannabis is the devil's weed. Urgh. Yay, weed. 
Well, you know, if you like it, go for it. Uh, drinking, my preferred. Uh, I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm not even sure why I said that, because I prefer beer. <laughs> <laughs> and alcohol. Mm, alcohol. Yeah, but this Middle Earth was located in a large cellar at 43 King Street in Covent Garden. Okay. was a competitor to the Roundhouse at Chalk Farm. And after the King Street closure in 1968, it relocated there. All right. During its time, the club saw several drug raids by the police during which underage revelers were arrested. (laughs) Uh. During two raids on the club, one of which occurred during a performance of the play based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of neat. That'd be a good episode. Yeah. Uh, Two girls were arrested for being underage and a member of the Grand Bond organization was arrested for possession and... Uh, due to the, the the Sam Gopal's dream was due to perform on the night of one of the raids, and they were in the dressing room when the police raided the club, and um, the, the, they evidently had some sort of device called the trip machine, which I tried to find. I'm guessing it's some sort of one hit box, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it was dismantled and taken away by the police, so it must have been a big ass trip machine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's more than one hit. <laughs> <coughs> jerk <laughs> uh, uh, the club was closed down in the mid 1968 after holding events at a few venues they settled at the roundhouse were put on the doors and jefferson airplane for four performances over two nights in september 1968 and mm-hmm. just so you know some places you'll look up and see that led zeppelin played their first public performance there on saturday november 9th 1968 but, but that's, not, that's not right, is it? Well, I think they're trying to say Zeppelin is Zeppelin and not not when they were in the uh, Scandinavian dates where they're playing as the Yardbirds. Yeah. But you're right. It's not right. Because on November 9th, Zeppelin played the Roundhouse in London per Led Zeppelin's website. Yeah. So they were not at the Middle Earth Roundhouse crossover venue. They were just at the Roundhouse before it was anything else. Mm, okay. Yeah, and, and technically, they actually played there on the 10th because they're scheduled for 2 a.m. <laughs> but, you know. eh. Tomato, potato, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Mash and boil them, stick them in a stew. <laughs> hey, yeah, you could do that with either one. <laughs> yep, you could. But one's better than the other. Yes. Yeah, I'm not said well potatoes I think are better overall, but tomatoes have their their good point. You don't want to put potatoes on pasta. Or ooh, ooh or do nice you cream, cream sauce? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should market the Terra's pasta. <laughs> what size would you like, sir? Mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese. Um, shouldn't you get something besides starch? No. <laughs> Sorry, did I ask you for your dietary? Show me your degree. I don't give a care shit about your degree, <laughs> sir. What would you like for your two sides? Mashed potatoes and French fries. You know, I've done that. I have People. to. I just want potatoes, and I want two types of potatoes. And, and you know what? I'm going to dip my French fries in the mashed potatoes. How about that? Oh, that sounds good. I've not thought oh, of yeah. that. I, hmm. I know. Yeah. Potato Inception. <laughs> you know, 
get a mashed potatoes and a loaded baked potato. <laughs> you top the baked potato with the mashed potatoes. <laughs> mashed potatoes. <laughs> Fuck, I want a side of fries. I'm going to stick some fries in there. Too, <laughs> and and no, listeners, we're not kidding. <laughs> no, we're not. This is, this, this is not jocularity. <laughs> uh, so moving on. Yes. <laughs> or, or technically staying where we were. <laughs> According to Jimmy Page, uh, in his personal collection, it say, states that Saturday 9th, November 1968, the Roundhouse Chalk Farm Road, London, arrived by 1.30 a.m. Sunday morning, in time to go on stage 2 a.m. to do a 50-minute spot, and we did all right. We only played a couple of dates in London, the Roundhouse and the Marquee. The Marquee was fantastic, just great. We were totally knocked out when we came out of there. We thought they might have had it in for us because the date, we're still calling ourselves the Yardbirds, we hadn't thought of using Led Zeppelin yet, but it was still being presented by Middle Earth. It actually says Middle Earth presents at the Roundhouse Chalk Farm, the Yardbirds now known as Led Zeppelin, John Lee Hooker as opener. Wow. Very so, cool. I'm not sure what this is actually a an actual ticket, like a uh, promotional poster. Yeah. Thing. So it was Middle Earth Presents at the Roundhouse. It wasn't Middle Earth. But it says Yardbirds, now known as the Zeppelin. So Jimmy might have been a little off in saying that they weren't calling themselves Zeppelin yet. Is that crossover time? Well, Jimmy might not have been doing it, but it sounds like uh, Peter Grant was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Peter. Because <laughs> he, would, he would have been the one to book it. So. Yeah, book it. Book it with John Lee Hooker. <laughs> Uh, I was going to make a joke in there, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to move on. <laughs> okay. By the way, next week, according to this promotional picture, on the 15th and on the 16th, I'm going to give some names of bands that we have talked about several times. Oh, cool. The Who? Mm-hmm. Arthur Brown, who we talked about in our Corpse Paint. Yeah. Uh, Small Faces who we have mentioned once or twice because we always say, like, was it small faces or faces? You know. Yeah. And, and and that's kind of the... And Joe Cocker. Cocker? Hell, I don't even know her. I hardly know her. <laughs> oh. oh, David. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, so it wasn't like a huge... It's kind of like the Middle Earth in uh, Indianapolis where... Yeah, they they were open for a while, although this one was open a bit longer and did have some bigger bands because they also then had Pink Floyd, a Fairport oh, yeah. Convention, Pretty Things, uh, you know, and they had quite a few people there. And they did actually talk about the Yardbirds and the New Yardbirds playing there. So they did, you know, the, the actual background and the notes they have on this place do discuss how it was Zeppelin, but not quite Zeppelin. Damn, can you imagine going in to see the, the new Yardbirds, now Zeppelin, and you're like, well, Jimmy Page is kind of cool. Then all of a sudden you see Jimmy and Robert and John Paul and Bonham, and they're like, holy motherfucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something tells me that crowd didn't know what hit them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. I would love well, no, they, to find they, a bootleg recording from that show. Well, 
sounds like I'd rather find the bootleg from the marquee because it didn't sound like Jimmy loved the Middle Earth performance. Right. Oh, yeah, they, they had some other, they had some prog rockers. Ooh, Duchess. Oh. Yeah, like Yes, or the Moody Blues or somebody like that. And they had one band called the Soft Machine, which was prog and, you know, it's, and Pink Floyd is prog rock, yeah. 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 Well, they, I mean, psychedelic, but their their later stuff was more prog. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. And then Jimmy Page has on his, his official website. So I mentioned Led Zeppelin, but Jimmy Page also on his own personal website talks about Middle Earth Club. January 19th, 1968, as the Yardbirds. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they they have all sorts of people, but uh, sorry, I'm scrolling down through my stuff now because I didn't put these in very much order either. Yeah, they, uh, towards the end of the decade, clubs with late-night drinking licenses became hangouts for established stars and launching pads for new ones. But, you yeah. know, whatever. But yeah. I will say that American guitarist Jimi Hendrix did make a couple of appearances uh-huh. here. Uh-huh, I bet he did, yeah. So that was, that was kind of cool. And one of the big people that helped out quite a bit at this place that got people to come in and did promotions, everything was John Robert Parker Ravenscroft better known as john peel oh cool yeah yeah one of the longest serving bbc radio one djs who broadcasted regularly from 1967 until his death in 2004 yeah he helped out quite a bit yeah Um, yeah uh well uh peel also actually ended up putting something together called gandalf's garden (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah, it's uh, just something to kind of go along with Middle Earth. But yeah, that's kind of a, yeah, I'm kind of scrolling quickly through my notes. <laughs> um, but yeah, nice. that, that's pretty much it. They they kept going. I already mentioned how they were shut down, how they went. But uh, other than that, I'll give a few. Uh, I'll give a few major bands. Okay. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the ones we've mostly talked about. It, it was the debut of the two piece Tyrannosaurus Rex. But oh. I, I'm assuming that's not the T-Rex. We it was so I don't know much about T-Rex. Did T-Rex start as a two-piece? Uh, I don't know. I the, the only person I know that was in it was Mark Bolin. Yeah, I, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know if they started with the two-piece or or not. But it was 19. I have the date right here. 1967. If if that okay. means really anything, I mean they they started in 1967. Okay. So I, I kind of would assume. Eh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bore our listeners why I look it up because I actually dig T Rex enough that we could do a an episode, but whatever. Let's move on. Um it's formed in nineteen sixty seven. So that's all I know, could say. Dates match. Yeah. yeah could have started as two piece. We'll we'll come back with this information in a future episode. Okay. Or yeah. or Jody can look it up while I talk about other bands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we've talked about Fairport, Fairport Convention. That were uh, yeah, that played here. Uh, they they have, have some overlaps with folk music and Led Zeppelin. The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. Ah! We all, we all know who they are. And I don't know this band, but Zoot Money's Dantillion Chariot just sounds like a kick-ass band name. Yes. <laughs> I didn't find anything about them, but I really need to look harder. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, pretty th- the pretty things. Yeah, 
that we will maybe get to with Zeppelin episodes, perhaps, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did, I did mention Pink Floyd, Captain, Captain, Captain Beefheart, <laughs> <laughs> Captain Beefheart, and the Magic Band played there in January 1968. That's cool. I, I know I've mentioned him once or twice. It's just sort of a really bizarre out there dude, and, and you should all check him out. It's it's really weird. Uh, but Moody Blues played there. You know, they, okay. the David Bowie and T Rex did a Gandalf's Garden uh, benefit for Peel. Okay. And you know, I, there there's not much to talk about Gandalf's Garden. I'm not going to stress overly much about it. Um, I what I will say about the T Rex thing you were talking about, um, apparently originally formed in '67 as a four piece, that kind of fell apart. And uh, Mark Bullen kept the name, kept the drummer, Steve Porter. And they, after the four-piece fell apart, they kind of reformed T-Rex as an acoustic two-piece for a while. Nice. Cool. Um, Steve Porter changed his name to Steve Peregrine Took. Oh, that's right. I've actually got, that's why I've got some notes on on t-rex and stuff and, and mark <laughs> because uh because yeah i do have um, yes. some notes coming up for that and yeah. and that that and that came out a little bit wrong it's took and i, I kind of pronounced it as half as took <laughs> because because here in the states that's how we pronounce t-o-o-k <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> so I, I read it and i tried to pronounce it the way i normally would <laughs> Anyway, right. again, yeah, Garden was just a magazine that John Pill tried to get that had to do with music, but I'll I'll move on from that. Okay. Yeah, uh, but that's uh, is that really it? Is that all I have? It is. That's it must Christmas be Christmas specials, and yeah, that's that's uh, oh, here we go, man. But more, more bands. I actually have a big ass list of bands down here. Oh, cool. That, that that have to go with ones we've kind of talked about or at least overlap. Fairport Convention, Tim Rose, who we talked about with zeppelin episodes with john bonham yeah yeah uh spooky tooth mm. ah, ah. <laughs> captain beefheart the birds traffic the bonzo dog do da band yeah python python yep. episodes yeah so uh, the pretty them. things i already mentioned mm-hmm. oh, sorry what oh so yeah we've we've mentioned them before oh yeah, uh, yeah the yeah, bonzo yeah. dog yeah yeah we have do da band <laughs> uh free the incredible string band oh cool the doors mm-hmm. yeah, the jefferson airplane crazy world of arthur brown i mentioned john mayo's blues breakers Ooh, cool uh, roy harper yeah 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 roy we mentioned with zeppelin yep. arlo guthrie oh cool yeah we mentioned folk rock and uh, alice's, alice's restaurant Re- alice's restaurant yeah I actually downloaded that this year and added it to my stuff. So I've got that as a Thanksgiving song. (laughs) There are are actually other songs out there about Thanksgiving. I was like, wow, there there are actually holiday songs about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, who else? Oh, Pink Floyd I mentioned and T-Rex. Oh, T-Rex as Tyrannosaurus Rex. So evidently I looked up enough to know that they were the same band by finding the bands, but I Mm -hmm. didn't know about how they went from a four to a two piece acoustic. That was good to add, my good gentleman. Oh, well, thank you. Glad I could help. Hey, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah sure sure yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah that's uh it's kind of i guess i have a uh, i've got a couple things about zeppelin and the yardbirds okay uh which which i'm not sure how much they overlap but i will mention yep said that yardbirds played january 1970 1968 um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe take this out this has this has jack shit to do i've already mentioned this <laughs> this is nothing nothing yeah i'm gonna cut that out and i'm just gonna go to so yeah but the miller club closed down mid 1968 uh, the building that once housed the venues now just one of several music related locations around covent garden so you can can kind of visit there but it's it's not really it's not really middle earth anymore it's it's changed and you're not gonna see anything that's remotely anything and in fact sometimes it's doubled up as storage space used by fruit and vegetable markets and stuff and it's this just kind of yeah kind of kind of not great but you know it's middle earth yeah and, and that's what i have about middle earth cool so, or at least the music venues Right, right. Middle, yeah. We've got we've got more coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we actually have some episodes planned for Middle Earth, like Tolkien inspired rock and heavy metal, and, and we're gonna do nature of Middle Earth and I oh, who knows what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I have. Unless you have something to add that won't make it another half an hour long. No, 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 no. <laughs> like talking about Coven and Zappa and <laughs> I basically I was just going to mention the connection between Frank Zappa, Deep Purple, and Coven. Now go for it. What is it? Uh, Jinx Dawson. That Jinx Dawson was friends with the guys in Purple, going back to uh, the Mark II lineup at least. And Zappa, of course, was on stage the night the club in Montreux burned down, and Deep Purple wound up doing Smoke on the Water about the the, the fire. That, that was it. I don't know why. I just assumed you had like a 15-minute conversation. <laughs> well, well, you know, that's not a bad thing to assume with me sometimes. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Mm. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. So, so I'm not, I'm not going to ask you if you have anything more to add now. I'm just going to go with it and yep. say listen to one of the bands we we talked about you know or read some middle earth from tolkien or whatever but as you're doing that rate us review us share us like us across yeah. multiple platforms or don't we're not your mother <laughs> no but if you're young enough we might be your father <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> Hey, mom, have you heard of the Twin Terrors? And she'll get all flushed and exasperated and be like, I don't know who they are. <laughs> so on that note, hey, Heather. <clears throat> uh, That's, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I say we move on. And I'm going to say I'm James. <laughs> and I'm crunching Jody. Ah, poor Jody. I'm crunching into the microphone now. Uh, well, fuck him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and... We will crunch at you later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Yeah, what you said.
Yeah. Moving. Yeah. We haven't done that for a while. <laughs> no, we haven't. Give me a moment. I will finish this last handful I just dug out. We could do that. Alternatively, I could go, Welcome to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor, me, Metal and Mayhem. I am non-crunching James. Just like I was big in your mom. <laughs> Sorry. That's the joke I was trying not to make. Maybe if I don't spill beer all over the damn place. Chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> Chomping Jody. <laughs> Chomping Jody. <laughs>